Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We are in this series called Now. At the end of the year last year, in 2020 through about, I think all the way through February, we were in a series called Next. And uh, we were talking about what the Bible, we were looking at what the Bible says regarding the things that are coming prophetically, the, the things that the Bible talks about that uh, uh, says are to come. And then in, in February, we began this series now where we're talking about how we can navigate the days that we're living in currently and how we can victoriously navigate the upcoming days. And I don't know about you, but the other day I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about the craziness of the world around us. It seems like sometimes I'm in a bad dream. I'm like, all the masks and all the different things that are going on, it's like, when is all this craziness going to end? And we see a lot of the things that are happening around us. Uh, you know, Anise Parker, who was the mayor in Houston, a few years ago, was trying to tell pastors what they could teach and preach from the pulpit. She was trying to, attempting to subpoena pastors' sermons. And uh, there's, there's this whole push to try to remove God and Christianity from our society. There's this whole push to, you know, uh, for this acceptance of people being able to choose their own gender. You know, God created man and woman, and uh, he was not ambiguous about that. And, and yet we have people that are wanting to change those kinds of things and expecting everyone else to adapt to that. There, there's attempts to even remove the gender-specific pronouns where, you know, they don't want you to say he, she, mom, dad. I mean, does anybody else feel like this is just craziness? <laughs> is it just me? And so it's a very different world that we live in today. But we have a great opportunity as Christians to make an impact and stand up and say, we're not going to succumb. We're not going to submit to the craziness of the world around us. We're going to follow the leading of the Lord, and we're going to follow His principles and truths. And so this, this series has been about now. What can we do now? How can we live this thing out now? And this morning's message is called Prepare. Uh, and again, the past two, two series have really been designed to prepare us for the future. Um, Additionally, the Lord has been speaking specifically to us. And I know that in our quiet time, in our prayer time, we have a time with the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. But the Lord has given us some specific things as a church that, that we need to take note of. And when the Lord speaks to us, He's speaking to us for us. He's giving us insight to help us. And on January 5th, 2019, just prior to our 21-day fast, the Holy Spirit told me that we're in a reset. And for those of you that have been here for a while, you know that we were in a reset. Our landlord had increased our rent 60%. And uh, we seriously looked at three different properties to buy. And, you know, initially I was upset with our landlord, but then I took a step back and I said, well, he, the Lord was using him to push us out because we needed to get out to find our, our 
you know, our own, buy our own land and property. And we're so blessed that the Rebickies are allowing us to meet here. It's such a blessing. And, uh, but the Lord has opened up a door for us to buy this property. And now we're looking at building a building. So I felt like the Lord was just giving us a little push. Sometimes the Lord needs to give us a little push because we'll get very complacent in the, in the place that we're in. And then uh, in 2020, of course, COVID was ramping up and we were still in transition. For those of you that were attending, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a building we needed to get somewhere and, and we didn't have a permanent place. And uh, so there was a lot of transition going into 2020. In March, uh, March 1st, 2020, uh, the Rebickies opened up their venue here for us to begin to meet at. And we met here for three weeks and then COVID really uh, hit and we had a lockdown for eight weeks. We live streamed from our living room and dining room and looked like a, a TV studio with cameras and all kinds of equipment in our house for eight weeks. And then we came back to Kima Gardens. And so the Lord told us that there was going, that we were in a reset a year before COVID hit. And so why was he telling us that? So that we could be prepared. Even though we may not have known exactly what we needed to do, at least we had a warning. And then May 5th of 2020, a year later, a little over a year later, we received another word from the Lord. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. Not necessarily that the world is coming to an end, but the world as we know it will soon come to an end. Now, COVID had already hit, but there was more to come. And this was like two weeks before the George Floyd incident. And, you know, and, and things have just continued to get crazier and crazier and escalate. And, and so the Lord has been speaking to us. He said, you're in a reset. And we knew that we were in a reset as a church with our, our building and all of that. But it was greater than that. And then the, the Lord told us uh, you know, a year ago that the world as we know it will soon come to an end. We are seeing that, I believe, fulfilled before our very eyes where things are never going to be the same as they were. You look at what not only is what going on uh, here in America, but across the globe, across the world. And, and so, uh, eight days ago, the Lord gave me another word. The Lord woke me up at 5.30. He let me sleep in eight days ago. Normally, He wakes me up like at 3 or 4 in the morning, but He let me sleep in. And the Holy Spirit said, get up. I have a word for you. So I, I go into my office and I turn on the lights and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to wake up. And the Holy Spirit gave me one word. One word. Prepare. So I'm sitting there and, and I'm like, I'm writing it down. I'm ready. I'm positioned. I'm poised because the Lord has told me he's got a word for me. So I'm ready to write, trying to wake up. And I said, okay, Lord, prepare. What? What's prepare to? Prepare for? And the Lord said, go back. Go back to bed. That was it. Prepare. So let's look at the definition of prepare. To make ready beforehand for some purpose, use, or activity. To put in a proper state of mind. Prepare. In the Hebrew, many times this word in the Old Testament means to make, to manufacture, to do. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it means to prepare. But it also means to make ready. So the Lord is saying prepare. Make ready. 
Now, just like we didn't know what the word meant when he told us a year ago, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. We don't have the fullness of that, I believe, even yet. But what does this word mean for us? Prepare. Well, I think it's up to us to get on our knees and pray and ask the Lord. What does that mean for me personally? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for my church? What does that mean for the world around me? Because I think this word is a word for us personally. I think it's a word for us, our families. I think it's a word for this church. I think it's a word for the global church. It's not just for us. So how do we take the Lord's words to us and prepare for the coming days? That's my first point. I'll give you the answer, or two answers. Listen and obey. Those may not be the only answers, but those are two good answers. We need to listen and obey. Jesus is teaching His disciples about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 12. And He says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. And many times I think the body of Christ is not able to receive what the Lord has for us because we can't bear it. We're struggling with some of the basic fundamental things that He's already told us to do. Because He's not going to give us something else to do if we haven't accomplished what He's given us already. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Jesus said, there's so many things I want to tell you guys. But you can't bear it. You can't handle it. You can't understand the things that I'm telling you already. And so I can't load you up with more. The Lord is speaking to us. Are we hearing but not listening? Like some of us husbands do. We hear our wives talking. We're, but we're not listening. We're hearing, but we're not listening. Have we become dull and deaf to the voice of God? Have we rejected that voice so long or have we just disregarded the voice of the Lord so long that we're really not hearing Him speak to us? I think it's not a matter of hearing and listening, but of complacency and disregard and disobedience. And I'm not talking about us specifically, but, but I think the body of Christ as a whole, it's like the body of Christ is asleep. <laughs> In the days where we should be running full force, sharing the hope and the love of Christ with the lost and dying world. I had a conversation with, with a person recently that has had uh, experience with other ministries and, uh, and uh, dealing with Christians on all levels. Lots of praise and worship leaders, lots of ministry leaders, and just people across the board in our, in our community. So they have a, a, a good perspective of what ministry has looked like and what Christians have looked like. And we were, we were having this discussion about, uh, he asked me, why do you think so many Christians are so immature? And he was telling me about some of the experiences that he'd had with ministry and, and some of the people and, and, and just some of the things. And so we were having this discussion and we really kind of came to the same conclusion that I've had all along that many people, many Christians that say they're Christian, they refuse to yield and submit or allow God to transform their lives. By faith, I see a miracle. 
It's by faith that we can get breakthroughs. It's by faith. It's by this relationship that we have with Christ that we can live the abundant life that he came to give. But many people, many Christians, and I've seen this and you probably have too, they refuse to allow God to do the work that he wants to do and that they need him to do in their life. And so as leaders, as parents, as mentors, as believers, what can we do? Because honestly, it's frustrating for a pastor to see somebody beating their head against the wall, to see somebody's marriages crumble, to see somebody's children, you know, going off the rails. But yet, they're unwilling. They may say that they're accountable, but they're not correctable. They're not teachable. Not really. And so, you, you probably know people like that in your life. What do we do? What can we do for them? Well, we can pray for them. And we should be praying for them. We can love them. We can never give up. Because some of us needed people praying for us. Many of us needed people never giving up on us. And we can model by yielding to the Lord. By showing them what an authentic relationship with the Lord looks like. Nobody's perfect. But, but people want to see authenticity. That's why we say go out and live it. Let's live this thing out or shut up. People don't want to hear about it anymore. Okay? They don't want to hear about it. They've heard about it. They hear about it all the time. They want to see some people that live this thing out. <laughs> and that would be us. That's our role. That's our responsibility. That we have this connection with Him and then we go and live this thing out. When we disobey the Lord's commands and direction of the Holy Spirit, there may seem to be little to no consequences. However, these things are eroding the godly character inside of us. And we are living in, I believe, in the days of grace. Where God is gracious to us. The problem with grace is sometimes people take advantage of that. Uh, well, I've gotten by with it five times, a hundred times, fifty times, thousand times. But grace is not permission to keep on sinning. It's the Lord giving us time to repent and stop. <laughs> I mean, we all need grace. We all stumble and fall. Okay? So it happens. But if we're living lifestyles where it's consistently the same and it's not changing, that's a stronghold we have in our life. It's one thing to stumble and fall. It's another thing to be trapped in a lifestyle or, or condition that is continual. If you've been struggling with something for decades, that's a stronghold in your life. <laughs> and, and so repent, as we've learned, is not to turn and go the other way. Well, I'm repenting. I'm going to go this way. It's to change the way we think. And say, Lord God, Your Word says that this is not good for me. I need to stop doing that. I need to change the way that I think about this. I need to, to, to change the way that I think about stopping at Specs and buying a fifth of whiskey or going down there and buying a bag of weed or cheating on my wife or going to the pornography sites. Or I need to change the way I think about these things. 
Because when we begin to change the way we think, then we will begin to change our actions. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we're praying for this transformation. It starts right here in our mind. It takes the Lord bringing health and healing and wholeness to our lives for us to change. So we need to, to repent. And, you know, I was thinking about some people that I know that are very skilled, very, very highly skilled at lying and deceiving. They begin to justify all kinds of ungodly behavior in their lives because they can lie to themselves. And they are very adept and skilled at lying and deceiving people. And what, what's hurtful is you see them destroying their lives. You see the effect of that on their marriage. You see the effect of that on their children as they're modeling their children are not stupid. They see what's going on that will have a generational impact for generation after generation after generation. And that's just one example, lying and deceitfulness, which is not the character of God. But yet, you talk to these people and you would think, oh, they're super spiritual and, and they're great Christians. You know, I'm not here to judge, but we can look at the fruit. We can look at the heart. And we can say, that does not, that characteristics, those characteristics do not line up with God's character and what He desires us to be. And it may not be lying and deceptiveness. It may be unforgiveness. It may be, you know, it could be a number of different things. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that God wants His character residing in us. And that means that some of, the, some of our character needs to be removed and backfilled with His character. So my first point is, how do we take the Lord's words to us and prepare for the coming days? Listen and obey. Listen, okay? But we can listen and choose not to obey. We can be listening, we can hear the words, but not really hearing. And God is giving us a, a, you know, some insight and wisdom, I believe, on how we can navigate the coming days victoriously. My second point is, Many of our character flaws are results of fear, insecurities, and damage that the Lord can fix if we will yield and allow Him to. We come broken. And we've talked about this so many times in the garden, in the, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and, in, Adam and Eve sinned, then in entered into all of humanity. And so we're born with this, this flaw in our DNA. But Jesus came to fix our broken lives. But it's going to take Him to do it. So we are not designed to live in fear, yet fear is one of the things that will cause people to do crazy things. Craziness. And 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but, power, but a power, love, and self-discipline. And so we know that Scripture, but yet are we still walking in fear? Are we still, what is fear? Well, fear, part of it is not trusting God. Not submitting to God, not yielding to God, trying to do it on our own. But God has not given us what? A spirit. It's a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. We are not designed to live in our insecurity. So we're talking about what are some of the things that we see. Let me go back to the slide. Many of our character flaws are a result of fear, insecurities, and damage that the Lord can fix. So we're not designed to live in our insecurities. 
What causes our insecurities? Well, it can be pride, it can be arrogance, it can be receiving um, someone speaking into our lives or speaking over a life that's different than what the Word says. Oh, you'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. What does God say? He says that we're His prized possession. Wait a minute. And, and do you ever have that self-talk? Oh, that was so stupid. Why did you do that? Am I the only one? Well, Lord God, I ask forgiveness for that. Okay, that was stupid. I don't know why I did it. It was stupid. Maybe, maybe it was driven by fear. Maybe it was driven by my insecurity. Maybe it was driven by brokenness in my life that, that you can fix. But you know what? That's behind me. So I'm moving on. Let me take that videotape out. It's done. Forget it. And so God has not designed us to live in our insecurities. Let's look at Colossians 1, 19-23. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. Through Christ, everything has been reconciled to God, including us. Uh, let's look at verse 20. Read on. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The, the, the blood covers it all. My fear. My insecurity. My stupid mistakes. My sin. My disobedience. This includes you. Say you. you. Say me. me. This includes me who were once far away from God. Verse 21 continues, You were His enemies separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. I know where I've come from. I know some of the evil thoughts I've had that have played out in actions that are ungodly. And I know some of the things that you guys have done too. <laughs> but thank God that we have been reconciled back to Him. That we have been restored back to Him. Yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body so that we know that when Christ died on the cross, He took on all of our sin. As a result of His death on the cross, He has brought you into His own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. Without a single fault, because we can stand before Him because we're covered in the blood. But, let's look at verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. We must continue to believe this. We must continue to receive His grace and forgiveness when we stumble and fall. But we must continue to believe that we are in His presence and we are holy and blameless. If we really understood this, I think our lives would reflect something a little bit differently. Wait, I'm holy and blameless without a single fault. Maybe I need to live like that a little bit more. Maybe I need to understand what this really means, that I'm holy because of what Christ has done, that I'm blameless. It doesn't matter what my grandfather said or my mother said or my boss says. It doesn't matter even what I say. What matters is what He says, and He says that I'm holy and blameless without a single fault. 
That is good news for us. But you must continue. Who must continue? We must. So what is our part in this? Is that we don't go off the rails in our thinking, but we come back and we say, wait a minute. I need to come back and, and remember what God says about me. That His death on the cross, His dying on the cross, was sufficient for me to take care of all my sins. The ones from the past. The ones from the ones driving in the parking lot. The ones from tomorrow. Those are all forgiven. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Think about when you came to this place of receiving the good news. And you said, really? I can be accepted by God? He, he, even though I've done some of these things over there? Really? I can receive Him? And then think about when you received Him or when you got baptized or whatever and the feeling that you had. And He's saying, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. But let's look at verse 22. He reconciled us to Himself through the death of Christ. It wasn't by our performance. It wasn't by our good looks. It wasn't by our social status. It was only through Christ that we've been reconciled. Therefore, we are holy and blameless because, not because of what we've done, other than receive what God has done for us, but because of what God has done for us. Therefore, we are holy and blameless in His sight without a single fault. Verse 23, but you must continue, we must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it and not drift away from this assurance. Through Christ, we can live in liberty, in freedom, in victory. Jesus is the connection to this freedom and victory. Let's look at John 10.10, another familiar scripture. Jesus is saying, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He's talking about us. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And maybe there have been times in your life where the thief was taking you down. He was trying to steal from you. He was trying to kill you. He was trying to destroy your life, your marriage, your home, your children. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. But it's our choice. Are we going to follow our own desires? Or are we going to let the Lord lead us? Or are we going to follow Him? Let's go back to John 16, 12 through 14, where Jesus is having this dialogue with his disciples. And he says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit is not a crystal ball. It's not tarot cards or any of that ungodliness the Holy Spirit is part of the the Trinity of God it's God himself coming to speak to us so he's not going to deceive us he's not going to trick us but he's going to tell us if we are open when we are open. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to tell us he has been telling us 2019 you're in a reset 2020 the world as you know it the world as we know it will soon come to an end Eight days ago, prepare. 
Why is the Holy Spirit telling us that? Because He wants us to have some insight and wisdom. And it's up to us sometimes to dig out the truth, to find what that means. What are you saying to me, God? What, what do you want me to do with this Word? How do you want me to prepare? Because for each and every one of us, it's probably going to be a little bit different. There's, there's an individual impact and there's a corporate impact. And so I believe that the Lord is preparing us, wants us to prepare to move forward. So I'll, I'll share a little more in a couple of weeks, but as we prepare to build a building, the opportunity is now. We need to go forth now. Because who knows how long the doors are going to be open for us to even meet as a church and share the gospel with the craziness going on. John 16, 13 continues, He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory, Jesus says, by telling you whatever He receives from me. Jesus is speaking into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's coming and telling us. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for the saints, interceding for us. And so Jesus wants us to be aware. He says in Matthew 28, 18-20, you know it, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you and know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you stranded. And I'm excited about a, a series I'm going to be teaching in a few weeks where we're going to be talking a, a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and, and some of these things. But, but Jesus is saying, He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. Some people trust what they hear from the weatherman or what they read on social media more than what the Lord says through His Word and through His Spirit. So are we... Spending time in His Word, are we saying, Lord God, show me something from this Word? Because His Word is multidimensional. And uh, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. So we can read His Word and we can get this understanding and then we can go back and read the Word again and, and, and get more depth. It doesn't negate what we learned the first time, but God is giving us more insight. And then through His Spirit, He will tell us of things to come. So when you're praying about a job, and the Lord says, don't take that job, take this one over here, we need to listen. When the Lord says, do these basic fundamental things, we need to listen. We're in this age of grace, and I think we think, well, you know, I can just get by with it. I've been getting by with it. But what's happening is an erosion of the godly character inside of us. It has an impact. And, and just because other people may not see it, or like these people that, that are uh, great liars and deceivers, they look good on the outside. They're very deceptive. But the Word tells us in the end days there will be deceivers. There will be people that will lead people astray. And one of the ways they do that is by deceptiveness and by causing dissension and, decor and discord, things like that. <laughs> So my first point is, how do we take the Lord's words to us and prepare for the coming days? Listen and obey. The, the second uh, point is, many of our character flaws are results of fear, insecurities, and damage that the Lord can fix if we will yield and allow Him to fix our broken lives. Because He can speak to us all day long, 
He can be working in our hearts all day long and we can be resistant to Him and refuse to be teachable and correctable. And my third point this morning is how do we prepare C points one and two? <laughs> okay, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9-12. And uh, this is Paul writing to the early church. And it's, he's, he's, this is taken from Isaiah 64, 4, if you want to go back and look at that. <clears throat> and he's saying, <clears throat> this is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen. No ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Until we get in the flow of what the Lord is doing, we're not going to see, we're not going to hear, we're not going to experience the fullness of what God has for us. He has some wonderful things for us. If we are willing to go with Him, to flow with Him, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Okay, so we could be talking about heaven. All right, I, I think that, that could be relevant as well. But I don't think He's just talking about heaven. He's telling them on earth. He's talking to them as people. And so we are missing some, sometimes the things that the fullness of the Lord has for us because we're not listening, we're not hearing, we're not obeying, we're not following. Let's read on, verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. One of the things the Lord told me when He called us to Star Life Fellowship, He said, my people are hungry for deeper truths, for deeper understanding. But yet, when we look at the church, we see, many times we see just surface. Why? Well, because it's kind of like Jesus said, I want to give you more, but you can't take it we need to have some substance within us as Christians we need to have some resilience we need to be able to take something we need to be able to obey the the fundamental basic things that God has asked us to do but yet many Christians are walking in immaturity that have been walking with the Lord's for years decades maybe are we yielding to Him? Are we growing in Him? But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. That's what I want. I want to know God's deep secrets more than I want to know what the stock market's going to do or any of this other stuff. Because if we have His deep secrets, we can walk in the fullness. We can have greater understanding in the stock market, maybe, or whatever. But it's this relationship that we talk about so much about this intimacy with Him. Verse 11, 1 Corinthians 2.11. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. But we have access to God through the Holy Spirit who wants to show us the deep things of God. Verse 12, And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. Okay? We came out of the world, but we have received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things He has freely given us. He's not charging us. He's not doing anything. He's just saying, hey, I want to freely give this. But you need to be able to receive it. You need to be in a position 
in this relationship where, one, I can trust you if I give you something of great value, that I can trust you with it. Two, that you can handle it and that you're ready for it. You wouldn't give your five-year-old the keys to your truck and say, hey, hey, I have this new truck for you. They'd wreck it. They'd wreck the truck. They could hurt themselves, somebody else. God is looking for people that are spiritually mature, that can handle some stuff. Paul goes on to write, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but he goes on to write in verse 16, but we have understanding in these things because we have the mind of Christ. Because we come into alignment with His purpose, His plan. Because we have this relationship. Because we're connected to the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We should be thinking in accordance with what the Holy Spirit is leading us to think like. So how do we take the Lord's words and prepare for the coming days? Listen and obey. Take time to get alone with God every day. You know, maybe throughout the day. And just spend some time with Him. Many of our character flaws are a result of fears and securities and damage that the Lord can fix. You know, damage is not always our fault. There are people that have been abused. You know, innocent people that have been hurt and abused. But God can fix those things in our life. God can bring restoration because He has reconciled everything to Himself, including us. And so how do we prepare? Points one and two. This, this word uh, that the Lord gave me eight days ago, prepare, gave me a sense of urgency. I didn't feel like the Lord was saying, get prepared. I didn't, I didn't feel like this word was, okay, plan to prepare. I sensed an urgency like prepare like we're and in anticipation waiting on the next step. Prepare to... What if it, what if it were prepare to? Would we be ready? What if it were prepare for? See, he hasn't, he hasn't revealed the fullness of it, but he says prepare. Okay, so I feel like we're on the premises of, of it about to happen. Whatever that is. And I, I can guess what some of the things that are, that are going to happen. Is that we need to grow and mature. That we be, need to be more mature. That we need to be ready as we build this building and, and minister to this community. That we need to be ready for whatever the Lord has for us. So again, I don't think that this is necessarily just an individual word for us here today and watching online. I think it's for the church as a whole, Life Fellowship Ministries International, but I also think that it's for the global church. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about these questions. Are you prepared? What about your children? Have, have you been preparing them? Are they prepared? What about your family? What about your co-workers and your neighbors? Maybe God is speaking to your heart this morning and, and He's saying, I want you to recommit to me that you would just slip up your hand. Anybody here this morning? Maybe God is saying, you know, I want you to recommit your life to me. Anybody here?
Maybe you're watching online. I see that hand back there. Thank you for that. Anybody else? I don't want to rush out of this. Listen, there's no shame in this. We're talking about listening and obeying. And if the Lord is speaking to you to raise your hand and recommit today, you need to do that. It's a simple act of obedience. Okay? For you to raise your hand and maybe you're online, if you just pray this prayer, just say, You're Jesus. I ask you to come into my heart and life. Again, this is a renewal. I want to be restored. And I want a fresh start. I want a fresh beginning. And I thank you that you're speaking to me. And that I'm hearing your small, still voice. And I'm choosing to respond. It says when when someone receives the Lord, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. So, Lord God, I, I just I thank you for for those that have rededicated or given their life to you today, Lord. And I want to pray one more prayer. I pray that you would fill them with a greater measure of the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit. That as they read your word, that it would come alive in greater measure. That as they pray, that they would hear your voice speaking to them. For all of us, Lord, we pray that that would be an increase. And Lord, I pray that you would reach down into the deepest recesses of their hearts. And begin to evaporate those things that need to be removed. That you would gently pull those things out that need to be removed. And that you would backfill it with your love and your presence and your power, your anointing. The Holy Spirit would just flood over them and wash over them. Even right now, Lord God, let your presence just be so strong on them that they tangibly feel a touch from you. For all of us, Lord God, we pray these things and we thank you for it. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!